This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. <laughs> Holistic pharmacist is largely a made-up term. Neil Smoller doesn't want to push drugs. Quite the opposite. Neil wants people off unnecessary medications and using nutrition instead, along with exercise, stress management, sleep, and yes, supplements, to prevent disease as much as possible. A holistic pharmacist is the best of both worlds, a knowledgeable, accessible professional who looks to natural options first while at the same time applying to the supplement industry all the rigor, diligence, and integrity pharmacists are known for. We can only live our best lives if we live in a truly holistic manner, balancing healthy lifestyle choices, well-made supplements used strategically, and traditional medical interventions, says Neil Smoller. Valeria Tellis interviews Neil to explore what a real holistic care plan looks like. Dr. Neil Smoller is a holistic pharmacist with a practice in the most famous small town in America, Woodstock, New York. He is the founder of Woodstock Vitamins, as well as host of the Big Mouth Pharmacist podcast. With his no-nonsense, slightly sarcastic approach, he provides the best-in-class supplements and advice. Here is the interview with Dr. Neil Smoller. In your own words, who is Neil Smaller? I am a slightly sarcastic, slightly unprofessional healthcare professional that uh, likes to kind of tell the truth about health and wellness industry. I'm a big advocate for consumers, a big advocate for the supplement industry, uh, but I believe that there's a lot of misinformation out there. And as a result, we're misled. And at worst, we spend lots of money that we don't need to. Um, you know, and, and really, there are some people that are getting harmed by this. So. so true. Thank you for what you do. What motivates you to be a good person and to do good in the world? Um, I think that is the million-dollar question. Why do so many people, with their trust and authority that they've built for themselves, use it for financial gain? It is very, very easy to just sell out and tell people what they want to hear and sell whatever products or give whatever advice uh, is most uh, financially beneficial for people. So the motivation really just comes from a compass that says, this is the kind of person that I want to be. I don't want to be the person... Another in a long line of shysters and charlatans that are misinforming and misleading uh, people um, for money. So do you have an inspiration? Was it your parents or someone? Mm, I would just say that I've had, you know, I'm a pharmacist first and foremost. So I grew up in independent pharmacies. And in those situations, the pharmacist was the community, was a community leader, you know, um, the one of the most accessible healthcare practitioners where people would turn to for advice. And none of my my mentors were of the ilk where they would um, put their own profit ahead of the better advice. It's it was always better and um, you know more ethical, obviously, to tell people no, you don't need that. So that was a reflex and an instinct that I learned as a 14 year old watching my mentors. Uh, 
care for their their patients in our pharmacies. And now I've just extended what I believe is the best part of the pharmacy, the pharmacist, out into the natural products world where we can where we can do this, where we can tell people to stop the madness and you don't need all of this stuff. Wow. That um, makes me think about the medicine men in tribes, indigenous mm. ancient tribes, the shaman. So it might be the modern uh, shaman without knowing. Right. Yeah, I know, I know. You have not probably thought about, but yeah, that came to my mind. What do you think is the world's greatest need? The world's greatest need is empathy, I believe. I believe that we are too busy uh, being stuck in our own bubble to really uh, look outside of that bubble and to realize that uh, our problems may not be reflected on others and their problems may not be reflected on us. So we need to um, kind of open our minds to the experience of all of our fellow people. And uh, I know that's a lot to kind of say, okay, the, the troubles of 7 billion people are now on me, but to be more open and understanding of the plights that people are going to because we all can lend our voice to at least supporting and helping people where they need it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people, they give me the answer of love, empathy. It's pretty close to it or part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think empathy is a, a big part of love. I think that, um, you know, I don't know if they're just into the song lyrics. All we need is love, right? But the, uh, it's, a very, it's a very easy answer for them. Yeah, I think I think that you know, love implies a lot more, and it has a lot more emotional weight. So um, it's it's difficult to love everyone. I mean, there's a lot of jerks out there. So, uh, but I think you can be empathetic to the plight of jerk as well as the uh, plight of those that would care for. You know. Right. So, um, more specifically, what is love to you? Um, that's a tough question. I think that the idea of love is is basically like a reciprocal kind of trust and respect and understanding and empathy, kind of like all in one. Um, and and I believe that it has very little to do with what we normally connect it with, which is like lust and like the, the sexual energy. I really feel like, you know, the, the love that people need uh, most is that kind of idea that we are here to complement each other's strengths and to uh, commit to each other despite the obstacles that are in front of us. I feel like that's probably the best description. I like that. Do you believe in God? I do not. Well, I guess what I should say is that I believe that I am one of those agnostic atheists where it's like, if if we really were simple uh, about the whole thing, there is no proof there is no God and there is no proof that there is God. And it's faith on both sides. So I am not a uh, religious person, uh, I uh, uh, but I am a very big supporter of people's right to uh, you know, believe whatever religion they choose. Right. Do you have any spiritual beliefs? If anything, I get down with the Buddhists more than anything. I think that, and it probably has less to do with the fact of spirituality and like the purpose of life and really focusing on what's important right now and like detaching from all of the, the conditioning and that. So I think the, the Buddhists speak to me more than anybody. What do you think is the purpose and meaning of your life? I kind of feel like the idea of attaching a purpose to a life is just one way for us to kind of get through it all and kind of point us in a direction. And so while I'm here, the, the direction that I've pointed myself in is to first and foremost raise a family. I want a a, uh, I have four children now. Um, I, I want a uh, squad of people to go out into this world and and hopefully um, elevate the bar of the human existence to some degree uh, and doing that through, you know, care of the community and such. So I feel like that is the ultimate purpose here is to make my kids into great adults that make 
great communities. Uh, and if we all were doing that, you know, that would have such a, a rippling effect uh, across the, the world. And then my professional um, purpose or, or direction is uh, uh, really just around advocacy for people. And that same kind of notion is that we have to do the, our work in our own backyard. I just want to maybe extend my backyard uh, to a larger audience. And so that way, um, more people can become aware of the um, misdirection and misgivings of the um, of the wellness space. So that way, we can again be better within that space. Think about becoming a better human being, right? And then a community, and then the world, because uh, it starts with us. I like the way you said that. So what is the difference between a holistic and conventional pharmacy? So I made up the term holistic pharmacist. <laughs> uh, one thing I'm not as a BSer, you know, I will tell you exactly what's what. I made that term up. And, and part of the reason that I made the term up is that we have this natural dichotomy that's fed to us, that the natural products industry is on one side and big pharma and the established medical communities on the other side. And that isn't true. In fact, I point out quite often that they're the same guy. They're the same organization. And we think that big pharma is the devil and the natural products industry are the angels. I think that they're jerks. Um, so I came up with the term holistic pharmacist to kind of uh, get a centrist approach. If we're talking about politics, I'm just trying to be right there in the middle. I'm not Republican or Democrat. I think that we need to go one way or another depending on the scenario and we have to use the best advice. So I believe a holistic pharmacist is somebody that's not pushing medications, that doesn't want only to use med medications. In fact, looks at healing and wellness and disease management as first a choices uh, uh, paradigm. So it's it's really about your mindset and it's really about the choices that we make every day, multiple times a day, is what will have the biggest impact on our diseases. So our holistic model is one where we focus on the lifestyle choices, um, the, the autonomous decisions that we can make where we can buy supplements if we want to. But then it comes full circle in bringing in medical care to this because a lot of times the people in the natural industry, they'll say it's, it's diet and supplements and that's it, alpha and omega and nothing more. But I'm telling you that in order to live our best lives, we need to have the lifestyle stuff, the supplements and the medical care um, to, to be a true holistic approach to everything. Right. So I guess that leads to my next question. Do we really need supplements and how do we measure the quality of the supplements we take? Yeah, those are two very big questions. So the, the first question being, do we need supplements? And the answer to that is no, of course not. It's just sort of like you need an uh, OBGYN. There's people giving birth still in this world without, uh, you know, uh, a hospital, you know, they're still doing that. So, but. But we have the ability and the technology to derive benefits uh, from naturally occurring compounds, uh, and so we could take advantage of that. Um, I believe that most of us don't need as many supplements as we are taking, and in fact, we need to focus and be more strategic about the supplements that we use. So I'll tell people that, no, if you can, make all the healthy lifestyle decisions and remove supplements for your life. There are five that I've identified. I don't even say five supplements. I say five nutrients that most of us don't get even in the best diet. And as a result, we should supplement them when possible. And so one of those being omega-3 supplements. So we don't get enough omega-3 in the American diet. Most of us will eat fish maybe once every month uh, if, if every other week if you're lucky. And we really should be eating a substantial amount every day. It should be one of the major proteins that we eat uh, because the omega-3s um, have so much uh, benefit in the body with the cardiovascular system, in our eyes, our brains, joint, all of that stuff, right? So we don't eat enough of those. We should eat more. Um, if you can't eat more, then you should supplement that. Probiotics. We're learning lots about the microbiome and, and its benefit on the body beyond the gut. Um, so that's one. Calcium. Bone support. You know, this is a big thing. Most of us, I think the the data from the National Institute of Health said something around 40% of postmenopausal women will get enough calcium in their diet. And um, so uh, vitamin D being another part of that. 
Um, protein, that's another nutrient that Americans in general will eat lots of protein. But if you talk to individuals, you'll find that they're short of their uh, daily goals, the, 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 the numbers that we should be meeting uh, as humans to ensure we have enough protein. And then the last one here, and this is my vital five is what I refer to them as, are micronutrients. Nutrients. So some of us are, you know, vegan or vegetarian, so we'll need B12 or iron or, or things like those. So we'll need those micronutrients to um, to kind of round out uh, any potential deficiencies because of what we're doing. Or, you know, so somebody doesn't eat lots of greens every day, so maybe a, a, a proper green supplement or green powder might be a way for you to get a serving or two into your diet to get, get to your goals. So I don't believe that people need supplements. But I, I think those five uh, are a fairly – I can make a fairly good argument that there is enough evidence to prove that those nutrients aren't in excess in our diet. In fact, they're in a deficiency state. And if we meet those, those goals, then we'll have – you know, profound health benefits, but that's it. Also, I like, those are the only five I really feel fit into that category. So then if decide, you know, to, again, to be strategic about supplements, we we're not strategic. We just kind of willy nilly. We just go based on like whatever our friends say, Let's call it last person syndrome. You're in, you're in, you know, the line at whole foods and somebody behind you mentioned something about GMO. And then all of a sudden now you're anti GMO because that's how you picked it up. It's like, a viral nature of our supplement, uh, you know, trendy, uh, like following the, the, the flashy object, you know, the, the squirrel runs in front of us. Right. So we, so we don't want that. We want people to be strategic. So the, the strategy around using supplements should be lifestyle stuff first, get it from your diet as much as possible. If you can't, then here's the vital five, try to optimize those. And if we need to then introduce supplements as a treatment modality or whatever, we need to know what are we taking it for? What dose should we be getting of this thing? What form should we be getting? And when should we expect what benefits? And once all of that is clear, then we experiment. Then we start that supplement and we, and we make it a part of our regimen because we, we want a plan. We don't want to just, you know, kind of throw this against the wall and hope it sticks. So once we go down that road, we can quickly measure whether or not this thing is beneficial. Um, and, and it's quite simple. Uh, it's as simple as dropping something that doesn't work. So if you start on, let's say turmeric uh, is your new supplement and that's what you want to use and you want to use it for your joint pain. And, and I tell you that it'll start to work after probably three to five doses, you'll notice an effect. And if after three to five doses, it's not working and you've optimized the form and the dose and all of this stuff, you know it's not going to work for you and it's time to drop it. And uh, you know we're not quick enough to drop the supplements we take. So, so my thought here is like building a strategy around taking supplements will limit and, and refine it down to the supplements that actually work and are actually needed. But most of us can get away with not using any supplements. So about the quality, how do we know for sure? Like I take omega-3 and um, other supplements, but how do I know for sure that they are high quality or at least they have enough quality? They are helping me somehow. Right. Well, I mean, that's the other thing that people need to identify and understand is that the natural products industry is poorly regulated, if at all. And as a result, the products that we buy are different from the things that we talk about. And the, what I'm saying is, is like you, you're talking about omega-3. I'm talking about omega-3 and how it's beneficial. But the product that you buy that's labeled omega-3 is potentially rancid, is potentially the wrong dose. So the, there's a big gap between those two things. And we have to help people get across that gap or better yet, make that gap not exist by only providing supplements that meet or exceed standards for what best in class would be. And that's what we kind of do here. So how does a consumer know? Well, I'm I'm telling you right now that I do this for a living every day. I'm looking at different uh, quality reports and you know putting together all of these uh, standards and information around supplement quality. And it's nearly impossible for me to understand and get to the bottom of it all. There's so much deception and misinformation. It's difficult. And because these supplement companies uh, work inside of a black box, you know it, there's no transparency. We don't know what's real. Um, so what we can do is to teach people that they, they need to be aware. They need buyer be aware, not beware, but be aware of this situation and what's going on. And there's a really good chance that the thing that you're buying 
isn't what you think it is. And so, um, so, you know, here's a bit of advice. Don't buy supplements like you're looking for a hotel or a restaurant on vacation. Don't look at reviews. Reviews are for other things. If, if, the, if the industry is broken, uh, as I just said, which it is, right, and quality is all across the board, and nobody knows what they're talking about, why would you trust a review? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so the and reviews are faked. I mean, that's really what we should understand is that reviews are are there to pad um, your perception. If you see a hundred reviews that are five stars, you think this is good. Like it's a shortcut, and it's being exploited. And we try to teach people all of the shortcuts that are uh, being exploited to get you to trust a, a brand or a supplement. So what I would say is like, how do you know? Well, you have to find somebody in your community, I would say, that you can trust that speaks to the quality of supplements. But it is very difficult to find those people. Uh, I'm going to be, you know, honest, you know, we, our information out there where we can teach you what's important, you know, we just did a whole series around mushrooms and the deception in the mushroom industry. And we're you know, kind of going down the line of all the different supplements. So that way people have access to this information to n at least be aware again of what are the potential downsides. Right. Well, from my experience um, as a consumer of supplements, I have seen the difference uh, when I take probiotic, um, also omega-3 oil. When I supplement with that, I see the difference. My mood's better. Uh, Extazanthin, it's just immediate almost. The other ones, when I start taking them in the very beginning, I can see the difference and then just fades away. I have no idea if it's working or not. Right. And so we also have to separate out the placebo effect. A lot of people, when I talk about placebo effect, they think I'm being condescending, but I'm actually being very, um, uh, you know, again, a, an advocate standpoint. The idea of the placebo is that our minds are extremely powerful and the minds are the ones that are secreting all the hormones that are telling the body to do all the stuff that it needs to do. So if we believe that something is going to be beneficial, we're going to have that, um, that effect in our body sometimes. And the placebo effect can be very high with things. And again, that's not a dismissive thing. That is that is a explanation of uh, human behavior and, and our connection to this world, you know? So, and it has been proven. Oh, yeah. Scientifically. Proven. Not even the placebo effect, but the nocebo effect is the one that fascinates me, where you can think something negative is going to happen and a side effect happens, or like some people can induce disease by thinking that it's going to so well, it makes sense to me, but I didn't know we had a term for that. Um, you mentioned dose, vitamin dose, that we should know how much to take. Is there such a thing as vitamin overdose? Absolutely. And in fact, this is what I see a lot when people go to um, who I, I refer to as charlatans, the, the, the practitioners that may or may not be licensed actual real pro uh, professionals. Um, so, and what I mean by that is like, you can go through training, but until you have a government body holding you liable to the advice you give and the words you say, you know, you, you are not playing the same game, you know? Um, so, so when you go to these unlicensed, unregulated charlatans that are just throwing down multiple supplements, you run the risk of overdose very, very quickly. In the in the medical world, we say as soon as you have more than three medications, you're going to de definitely have a drug interaction in, to some degree, right? There's going to be some interplay of those medications. And I think the Mayo Clinic said it was five. Five is the magic number. And so like imagine being on a supplement with all of these different ingredients, natural or not, they are going to interact with each other and they're going to have additive effects. I've seen so many people taking um, this shake and this B vitamin and this multivitamin and the, the, and the number of B vitamins that they're taking are excessive. And just by taking away the supplements, they feel better. So we go from- That makes sense. You know, seeking, right. They're seeking out help. They want to be listened to. So they go to these practitioners who, uh, and I say that with air quotes, that um, give them advice. And some of the advice may be good, but then they try to sell them off stuff. What ends up happening is the, the stuff ends up making them not feel good. And so by stripping that all away and simplifying it, again, getting more strategic, you can actually eliminate uh, a lot of problems for people. Yeah, it makes so much sense. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, what supplements do you take on a daily basis? I take fish oil, probiotics, and collagen powder. 
Oh, collagen. Yep. So collagen is one of the proteins. It's a unique protein source that I would definitely say that collagen is one of those trendy supplements. I kind of, you know, I just had a dentist on my podcast. We were talking about charcoal toothpaste. And I said, do you have any advice for people? And he said, don't be the first on the trend, but don't be the last either. So, you know, I sat out the collagen trend and watched. Now we have some data established that athletes that use collagen will have uh, less injury or um, less uh, joint pain, right? Um, we have data that shows that collagen can help people with inflammatory bowel disease, right? So we have data now that shows that there's some advantage and lo and behold, we don't get enough of the, these types of foods in our diet. So when the collagen's made correctly, it can be a beneficial supplement for people, but the, that's the big asterisk is, is it being made correctly? So, so those are the supplements I use and collagen uh, is one of those. Great. Um, you spoke of trends before and we tend to follow a lot of those on just by overhearing somebody on the store, we might sort of buy the product. I have been yeah. hearing a lot about CBD. What is it and who needs it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't. I was just saying, uh, I say on my podcast practically weekly now, I can't go a week without talking about CBD. It's the, it is the biggest trend in the, in the natural products industry, bar none. There, this is like factors greater than any trend we've seen. In fact, like in a traditional supplement store, gut health is going to be the the leading group of products. And that's normally like, you know, 10 to 50 products will make up that that gut health discipline. Two CBD products in my store does double the sales of our entire gut health uh, section bottles of CBD. That's how many people are using it. And that's how, uh, how much people are excited about it. Um, so CBD is one of the two components of a cannabis plant. Um, and it has uh, psychoactive effects, but it doesn't get you high. What it does is it acts as an anxiolytic, a sedative, uh, and it also has some pain modulation effects. It can uh, affect muscles and, and the, the, the tone of muscles. So people are using it for like things like anxiety or to help them sleep at night. And uh, some people, People even use it for some arthritis or neuropathies and stuff like that. Um, my advice here is the same as it has been for all of these supplements. Make sure you're getting the right dose, the right form of a clean product. You know what to expect. And with the supplement industry, I call it the Wild West. With the CBD space, I call it Mad Max Thunderdome. People are eating babies. It is a mess out there. It, uh, the, there was uh, Last year in Utah, there was 50 people that got injured from a CBD product. Synthetic CBD is making its way into the marketplace. Um, you know, there, the mislabeling, the misdosing, the misperceptions. And so it's very difficult to, you know, kind of navigate. I have a couple, like, little tips besides, you know, like, partnering up with somebody that you know can you can trust. Um, so quality is an issue with CBD. So a lot of uh, companies are doing bait and switch. They're putting up test results that most consumers don't know how to read. So they just see the test results and they say, okay, it's good. But then, you know, those test results aren't indicative of any of their current lots or they're not uh, conclusive. So they're, you know, ignore the test results unless you really know how to uh, read them. And uh, the other thing is don't get ripped off. People spend way too much money on CBD. In in my travels, I've looked at over 40 different brands at this point, like deeply around CBD. And I found one that I stick with. I'm not even going to recommend it here because that might change. They might get slimy in the future because that's the nature of this thing. So I don't want my aim to be tied to it. But, but there's one brand that I trust because of their transparency. And what I found when I looked at the space, quality brands are less than 10 cents per milligram of CBD. That's a good kind of like yardstick. So if you buy a bottle of CBD and it says 500 milligrams, it shouldn't be more than 50 bucks. Uh, and that's just a good kind of yardstick. Now, that's not the only thing you want to look at, but that's a good uh, way that you can get uh, sense to like if you're getting a, a ripped off or not at least. And uh, yeah, and experiment with it. That's the big thing with CBD is, you know, much like, the uh, I, I say it all the time, like um, Suzanne Summers and Oprah were talking about uh, hormone replacement therapy about 10 years ago and these wrong expectations and this weird perception about what these things would do. And that's what CBD is doing right now. People are like, I can buy any CBD, one at the gas station or a flea market, and I'll take a drop and all of my troubles will go away. And that's not true. Um, what you need to know is that you have to get a good dose and you have to know how to titrate your dose to uh, an effect that you're looking for, you know, what's the best way to use it. And we've got, you know, if you're going to, you know, send people on, we've got a whole page set up to teach people how to use CBD better. That's wonderful. Have you tried it yourself? 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, I'm a, uh, you know, I'm an old school pothead when college, like I found marijuana and I was uh, pretty much in love with Mary Jane. Um, but, um, so I know the effects of CBD. CBD is a very calming thing. I've used the CBD product when I've had anxiety at the store here. Uh, and it definitely, uh, does what, what people think it, it will do, which is calm you right down. Um, so I've used it myself. Definitely. Is there a risk of uh, becoming addictive? No, uh, the only risk of, uh, you know, they say marijuana is a gateway drug and I, I believe that it's a gateway drug to Funyuns and Yodels and Doritos and McDonald's, uh, because you just get hungry and you want to eat all that stuff. So, uh, there is no risk. Of, and this is why I enjoy CBD so much. And I'm, I'm excited for it to become a supplement, like legal supplement, because right now it's in this weird gray space because it's the most powerful thing that we've been able to get our hands on. Um, it, it has these effects, uh, so it's stronger than anything that we have, whether it's a botanical or even a traditional medicine, um, and it doesn't have the same liabilities. So it doesn't have the same risk of dependence or uh, you know drug interactions at the level that we'll be using. So that's good to know. Um, let's talk about inflammation. What is inflammation, and how do we prevent or reduce inflammation in the body? So inflammation is a normal, natural part of our immune system. The first thing that you should know is when somebody's talking about the immune system, if they don't pause and say, the immune system is so stinking complex, I am going to simplify it. I don't understand the full immune system. You shouldn't trust that person. Anybody that's simplifying the immune system without first saying, dude, this is crazy. Like I took two years of immunology, microbiology, and I will be the first one to tell you, oh my God, my head hurts. Like just thinking about the complexity of the immune system. So inflammation is a natural response to an external stimulus uh, or to any stimulus, I should say. So, you know, I tell people what's inflammation. So scratch your, your fingernail down your arm back and forth a couple times. And in a couple minutes, it'll get red and and that's inflammation. So inflammation is what happens when your cells break uh, due to some sort of stimulus. And they, it's like a glitter bomb. It releases stuff everywhere. And that stuff recruits uh, components of the immune system to clear out any broken stuff and, and try to get rid of the stimuli that's causing the problem. So there is this thing that's going on in the natural products industry talking about the role of inflammation and disease. And I teach people that it's a kind of a chicken and the egg scenario. We don't know which one comes first. I believe that we, we make bad choices, which then increase the amount of inflammatory components that are present, which then will uh, you know, in parallel, uh, lead to diseases. So I believe that it's not that the inflammation causes the diseases. I believe that our choices cause the disease and inflammation is a big component to the whole thing. Right. And, um, it's the symptom. Yeah. Right. That's right. And so chronic inflammation is where, you know, the analogy I give is imagine you're trying to farm and grow corn, except the, the land that you're trying to farm is being bombed during a war. So, you, you know, the, the cells that are there to clean up the bad stuff start attacking the normal healthy cells. And until you reduce the risk factor, stop making the bad choices, get rid of those stimuli chronic inflammation is going to continue and it's going to make a very ugly situation uglier and it's going to contribute to these diseases. So when I hear people talk about having to control your inflammation, they normally are talking about herbs like turmeric and ginger and rosemary and all these different things. And while those things are healthy spices that should be a part of a varied diet, I don't believe that that's the responsible thing to tell people. The responsible thing is to start at the bottom of our holistic model, our wellness pyramid, where we say, make better choices. Get sleep at night. Reduce inflammation dramatically. Deal with your stress, right? Eat healthy stuff. Eat small, frequent meals. Exercise. These are things that will reduce your inflammation and reduce your exposure to inflammation that will then hopefully reduce your, um, your risk of it developing to chronic inflammation and disease. Now, that being said, the top of the pyramid is medical stuff. So if you have high blood pressure, that will contribute to inflammation. If you have high cholesterol, that will contribute 
due to inflammation. So you need to treat that stuff. A lot of people avoid medications because they're quote unquote bad, but that's not how you should, you should be thinking about this. You should be saying, what can I do right now to eliminate or mitigate any of my risk factors towards chronic disease? Because chronic inflammation is going to be a big part of this. So I say, yes, eat all of those things that are in the blogs. If you Google anti-inflammatory compounds, you'll see that list that I gave you. And then, yeah, sure, eat them. But the supplements themselves won't solve your problems. It's really addressing the risk factors that are going to be the biggest impact. I like that. Yeah, the holistic approach, finding the cause, the root of our problems. You mentioned uh, immune system, how complex it is. So I think I remember asking somebody I interviewed uh, not long ago, where is the immune system? Is there a location in the body? Yeah, it's like, I think it's like two miles south of the place where they had Woodstock uh, actual Woodstock, not like our town. I think it's right around. No, I'm just kidding. Of course. The- <laughs> okay. Let me get, let me get there to fix mine. Right. Your immune system is like right next to Bethel Woods where the real concert was. The, um, your immune system is literally everywhere. It's every cell in your body. We have this very like distributed immune system. And then we have a very centralized type of immune system. So you, most of your immune cells are going to be in or around because that's one of the biggest entryways of things to get into the body. So we have lots of cells there. But your immune system is literally everywhere. Um, a very nonspecific reaction out in the periphery. Um, any, again, like if you get a cut at the end of your finger your immune system is there and starts the healing process. That's your immune system all the way into like, you know, dealing with upper respiratory tract infections or even within your blood brain barrier, the, the vault of your body, you know? So your immune system is everywhere. What do you have to say about anti-inflammatory drugs? The same thing I say about anti-inflammatory supplements is that the infl- inf- anti-inflammatory effect uh, is one of the two components. Most of those anti-inflammatory drugs are also reducing pain, and that's what makes us feel better. Um, Long-term use of anti-inflammatory drugs or supplements, uh, well, let's say it this way. The long-term use of anti-inflammatory drugs, specifically NSAIDs, have been shown to cause problems. So it can disrupt your GI tract, your kidneys, or even lead to heart disease or or even heart attacks we've seen now. So so anti-inflammatory supplements that are working on similar, if not identical pathways as the anti-inflammatory drugs could then theoretically carry those same risks. And the reason we don't know if that's the case is because nobody studied it, because supplements don't need to be studied. So I believe that anti-inflammatory drugs are necessary for certain disease management, but we need to manage the risks of the drugs as well. Um, I teach people just in general, because a lot of people get you know, they don't like me when I say that. I say, you know, you're on a, you're taking medicine, so you need to take another medicine to combat the effects of it. And everyone's like, I don't want to do that. Well, if you think about us like a pendulum, we start out in the middle, we're normally normal and healthy and happy, right? Uh, but then we get some sort of disease process and the pendulum swings one way. So we want to swing it back to the normal. So we, we do whatever therapy, whether it's a supplement or a drug or lifestyle choice, and sometimes we'll get it back to the middle, but sometimes we'll either undershoot it or overshoot it. And, and we're still not in the middle. So now we have to bring it back down to the middle and, and we may need other medications or um, uh, supplements or other interventions to, to make that real. And that's, you know, you can whine all you want about that, but that's reality. You know, medicines, we don't want them to do everything. Um, and sometimes when you do just one thing specifically, um, that can be harmful too. So we have to kind of take the good with the bad and kind of work with what we have. Yeah. It makes so much sense. Is there a supplement, an effective supplement or supplements for ragweed and pollen allergies? And the same question would go for depression and anxiety, which I think for anxiety you already covered. The CBD would be uh, one option. That's basically my question. Uh, Allergies, depression, anxiety. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I like to say is that there is... nothing that's effective. That the, the language is important when we talk about this. No supplement has been proven safe or effective. What we can say is that there's evidence, whether it's anecdotal or like small trials, that have shown that it can support or um, uh, you know inhibit certain effects in the body. So there are compounds that can support a healthy 
the allergic response, uh, you know. Um, so nettles, for example, is the big herb that's used for allergies. Um, we have a product that I love. It's called Allergy Support, and it has a mix of nettles and bioflavonoids and quercetin. Quercetin has been shown to have what it's called a mast cell stabilization effect. If we were talking about the glitter balloon uh, before with the immune system, the the quercetin makes it so the glitter balloon is less likely to pop. So, you know, a combination of those things it, it can be very, very, very beneficial for people, um, especially if it's formulated correctly. Um, and then from a anxiety standpoint, you nailed it. There's lots of different um, herbs out there and, and vitamins that can have a calming effect, a sedating effect. The best thing for anxiety and depression is meditation and mindfulness. To you know, Because anxiety and depression is basically the gap between how we view the world and what's real. The bigger the, the discrepancy, the more anxiety we're ha we'll have. And some people say like anxiety is a fear of the future, right? That hasn't occurred yet. And depression is holding on to a past that, that we can't and change. So true. So, you know, right? And so the 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 best thing cuz we're holistic practitioners is to not talk about what we can take, but talk about what we can do. So we need to address these discrepancies through traditional uh therapy. Um and I tell people to go to mindfulness-based cognitive therapists uh because those guys uh and gals seem to be focused on, you know, helping with that discrepancy and helping keeping that gap uh, narrow, building in a meditative practice into your life to, to retrain your brain, to, 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 to focus on what matters, which is right now in front of you. The analogy, of course, somebody can step on my shoe and I have pain right now. Uh, and I can say, oh, that hurts and then breathe and it's over, right? Because now the pain's gone. Or I can stir on it. And why did that guy step on my shoe? How dare that guy step on <laughs> a jerk. Now my shoe is ruined and I can do all of that. And that's like what they refer to as suffering. So, you know, the idea of just dealing with our pain and being honest with our pain and, and stop the suffering that we induce on ourselves. But, you know, we need help. So, like I said, I've been anxious and I can't breathe through it. So let's try a little CBD. And that's a good option for people to deal with those symptoms. Um, from a depression standpoint, that's tough. Um, it's tough to do from a supplement standpoint. Um, there is an herb called St. John's wort that, uh, if done correctly, will um, have very similar mechanism of action to ser selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors like Prozac or Zoloft. Um, but it has lots of liabilities as drug interactions. And, you know, the one thing I always like to call people out on is if you're willing to take a supplement uh, and you want the more natural effect, let's be honest, what is it doing? Saw palmetto is working like a drug. St. John's wort is a drug. Red yeast rice is a drug. So why don't we just take the medication and stop playing games, right? Let's take what's real, what's been tested, that we know will work and we know what the liabilities are. And no doesn't have any of the potential contaminants or adulterants that are found in these products. Wow. I absolutely love your commitment to education and um, love, love, love Thank a you. thousand times your holistic approach to healing without any agenda. You just very straightforward. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. My pleasure for being on. Keep up your good work. And uh, yeah, and I think that if if we were being honest, the the as the advice isn't sexy right? It's not trendy, Never. But, but it is real. That The real advice is to make good choices and um, ignore the hype and stay focused on, a, on the plan that we know works. And you will have a, a much better life without all that chaos. Right. I have a few more questions for you. I call it the section final questions, whatever comes to mind. What is another word for healing? Hmm, that's interesting. Mm, well, I mean, another word for healing, I guess, would be, in my eyes, would be self-care. I believe that, you know, uh, caring for ourselves, whether it's mentally or physically, is an act of healing, or it's, it's how healing gets accomplished. So I would say self-care. As a process, too, a day-to-day, -day, right? How do you define success? Well, that's tough because I'm one of those guys that always moves the goalpost on myself, right? So I'm constantly reinventing what success is. But I guess, 
you know, uh, success is getting up off the mat when you get life kicks you in the teeth. I think that's success. Just getting back up and and trying again. There's uh, a lot of different ways that we can go through this life. We can go through it very safely and not set goals for ourselves and just phone it in and, and just do what we're doing. Or we can push. And I believe that success is willingness to push. And then when you meet adversity, not letting it knock you down, but instead getting back up and saying, I'm going to keep going. So what was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life? Oh, that's a great question because I am a little bit um, of an ego dude. I, I live in this gap between, you know, the, the story I told myself and who I really was. And, you know, I, um, Neither of them were bad, but because the gap existed, there was a tremendous amount of pain. So, um, and and I would say suffering as well. So, I believe that the um, the biggest lesson was just finally coming to grips with the idea that the story isn't helping. I used to use it as like a motivating thing, you know? Uh, you know, so, so the story isn't helping. I need to, um, you know, be more in tune to who I am and, you know, get back to, you know, this is why I stress strategy so much. You know, we need a life strategy. And I had set one, I was dating my wife. I don't even think I was dating her at the time. We were just flirting in class. And she said, what do you want to do with your life? Just like you asked me. And, and I said, I want to have kids. And I, I, the same exact answer that I just gave you is what I gave her when I was 22 years old or whatever. And, um, so, you know, the idea that I was making decisions under, you know, in the story of I'm doing this for my kids, but that wasn't true because, I was spending time away from them and sacrificing my time with them. So the biggest lesson was understanding that my story was not my reality. What a powerful lesson. Yeah, it was costly too. It cost me like a million and a half bucks, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, right. Costly in so many ways, right? <laughs> yep. um, if you knew you would die soon, what change would you make in your life? Um, I would probably spend a lot of time teaching my kids probably the things that I think would be most important so that way they, they had a good life. And um, I think that we're all dying soon. And I try to remind myself of that all the time. I think that we need we take everything for granted and we have to kind of come at it with this perspective that it could end at any moment. So we should be making those decisions. I, I have something that I do. It's like, you know, if I could go back in time, a lot of people do that. Right. Uh, if I could go back in time, I would change this thing. I don't want to go back in time because everything that I have right now is a uh, great, you know, I'm not going to deny that. So, um, and the thing is, is that I, what if I am back in time right now from the future <laughs> and, and I lost my memories of the future. So what if, what if that's happened? So why don't I start right now making the better decisions so that way my future self doesn't have to come back in time, right? So <laughs> I like that. Yeah, the idea is like you're already dead now. So if I would live my life again, what do I do? What, how would I change? Right. That's a great way of thinking too. Uh, do you believe in life after death? I wish I did <laughs> because like, I feel like that's, that's the big question here is everybody's like so terrified that we're just dust after this, which is like all signs point to that's pretty much it. It would be very, very comforting, uh, especially in our very uh, reptilian or like childlike brains to accept that. Um, but I don't think that that's going to happen. I, I mean, our existence is a freak of nature, a freak event, and we should cherish it because we didn't exist before and we're not going to exist after. Our cells and our body will continue on and, and, and life will continue on. And, uh, you know, but our existence is over once we die. Very good. Last, last question. What are three things about life you know for sure? Mm, okay, so I would say that three things that I know about life for sure. And you can kind of like edit my answer together if you had to. So, all right, good, good. So, so I will say that the first thing that I know for sure is that most of our 
modern problems, again, back to empathy, most of our modern problems that our fellow man are experiencing is due to greed. So that is one thing. So greed um, is probably one of the greatest evils that humanity can face and, and individuals can face is the lust for more, you know? So I think that that is something I definitely know. I, I know that most of us want to just live our lives, you know, uninhibited. We want to experience it for whatever we want it to be. And so a lot of us are very happy with, um, with just, uh, let me just try that again. Um, I would say that, I would say that I believe that life has the potential to be extremely beautiful for everyone. If we all were more empathetic towards each other, we could, we could lift, you know, the rising water lifts all of boats. And so there's this tremendous, I believe that there's a tremendous potential for all of us to live very happily without much, uh, strife. Uh, there's always going to be differences of opinion of, of course, and, and issues, but I believe that we can all, all be better. And, uh, you know, I'm, uh, the other thing I know is I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. I, I lucked out, man. I, uh, I uh, have a pretty extraordinary life, and it happened once my triplets were born. I, I think just that in itself is a very uh, extraordinary thing. And, uh, you know, I have I, – I, I, that's the, the thing that I know is that I have it, I have it very, very good here. <laughs> and I can see – I can hear your gratitude yes. and appreciation. Mm -hmm. yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much again, Neil, for our conversation. It has been formative, meaningful, deep. Where can we find more information about you, your work, products, um, your pharmacy, and future projects? So go to woodstockvitamins.com. And that's where most of the stuff is. Uh, we have a very active blog and links to the podcasts and videos that we do is there. And our podcast is The Big Mouth Pharmacist, which is very fit for me. So, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much again. I'll talk to you soon. You're very welcome. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Dr. Neil Smoller, please visit his website, drneilsmoller.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.